Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! All right, we're coming to you live from my studio in my uh, place here in uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where it is, because you can find me and you'll come kill the me. The address is... <laughs> <laughs> I know how you crazy fans are. Uh, is no, your no. zip code 90210? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, okay. Just like everything else in life, just one digit off. Oh, so it's 902. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> I was that close to being rich. Not, it was one digit. That's my story of my life. One digit away you live in a from very, success. You live Beverly in a very Hills, nice area. Beverly Hills adjacent. Adjacent. Yeah, which is terrible. Adjacent. You live in Beverly Humps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come here, Latino. This is as close as you're getting. <laughs> They call this a glass ceiling. It's a glass wall. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, and host over at Collider and the co-host of the Top Ten Show, uh, The Cinephiles, and a proud host of uh, uh, The Deep Cut, which is slowly picking up steam in the industry, but definitely a proud co-host of The Geek Buddies. That's right. I am Michael Vogel. Uh, I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and also a proud co-host of... <laughs> The Geek Buddies. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer, a television actor, where you may have seen me on Criminal Minds, The Mentalist, and NCIS. This week it was all procedurals. And hey. I am the last proud host of The Geek Buddies. Hey, uh, well, this, you know, uh, thank you everyone for downloading this episode, first of all. And, and uh, it's, I'm recovering from my birthday party last night, which both of these two gentlemen were able to attend. It was very lovely. It was very nice. She did a nice job, my girlfriend. Picked a nice place, Della Terra, over there on Beverly. We went to the back room. Room. I had no idea that place had a back room. You didn't that, know that? Nope. We've been in that back room. I've been in that back room before. It's very. It's, it's a good years. restaurant. It is a good restaurant. It is a good restaurant, regardless of what uh, a couple of our friends of ours' personal attachments to that restaurant are. Uh, it is got. It's got good food in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have, I have, I have my leftover RBI. Such a vague, it's a vague thing to say to everybody. <laughs> Despite some of our friends' personal attachments. Okay, so one of our friends made out with a waiter. It's cool. Oh. Just put it out there. Uh, Just put it out there. We don't know names. No I was names. told it was the owner and it was on the bar. Did I mishear that? Did I mishear that? Did I miss a memo? <laughs> we can ask her. Or him. Or him. The, the whistleblower. Uh, her or him. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was a really nice time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the first year I haven't done karaoke in, what, 20 years, maybe? So I think we need to go out and do some karaoke soon to make up for that. Oh, sure. I'm Feed down. that karaoke itch. I'm always down with that. Uh, um, you know, what's funny is that I thought, and this is an inside, uh, this little behind-the-scenes things for people who listen to the show, I've always had it at Maggiano's. And I always thought my friends were the ones who were excited about doing it at Maggiano's. My girlfriend quickly uh, destroyed that perception in my mind. When she said, I mentioned Delaterra and all your friends were like, thank God. Maggiano's was his thing. He always wanted to go to Maggiano's. So, uh, you know, we all thought it because you, cause when you buy the one thing of pasta, you get the other thing. You get, you get to take a pasta home. Where That's like, right. You like to buy one pasta, get one for, the, for, for midnight. There's nothing wrong with that. I nothing feel like. Nothing wrong with midnight pasta. But yeah. Once you get up there in years, you can't do midnight pasta anymore. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, let's, I will say this a thousand percent today. I cannot have Italian food anymore. The red sauce, man, it's no good. It's no good. There was a demolition derby in my stomach for the last 12 hours. Maybe you should have just eaten that lasagna that you ordered. <laughs> that kid's lasagna? That kid's lasagna came in a, in a bowl, looked like mom just as, put it in the as, microwave. As the birthday boy, it's perfectly within John's right to send back a dish if <laughs> yes. he's not happy with the way with the way it looks. Or, and that is or what tastes. <laughs> that is what you didn't even taste it. I did. I had two bites. Mm, did I did. <laughs> I looked at it. I didn't like it. Look, it was fighting an uphill battle. You looked at it. The you second saw, I looked at happened. it. Here's what happened. I saw you look at it. You saw how small it was. They brought my chicken parmesan. You looked at it. You said, is that chicken parmesan? I said, yes. And then you threw the lasagna and said, bring me chicken parmesan. <laughs> As always. The extra, the extra flavor he puts into the stories. <laughs> None of that is true. None well, there was plenty of flavor in my chicken parmesan. <laughs> there was, I discovered later. And to be fair, the dish that the lasagna was presented in, it did have a TV dinner-like yes! aesthetic. What a stupid presentation for a lasagna. <laughs> Let it breathe. Let it flow on my plate. Let it command its space on my plate. To put it in a little ceramic bowl in essence that feels like something you'd get like at a, at a I don't know at a so- ice cream social it made me very upset much like the outlaw himself the lasagna should not be contained that's right <laughs> well said you gotta roam free on the open range that's the way it goes <laughs> but yeah it was a very great time and a shout out to my girlfriend for organizing that and to all my friends who might be listening all our friends rather who might be listening who came to uh, celebrate it was a very nice time uh, and uh, next year is going to be a roast, so God God help me. I'm already preparing. <laughs> I'm already trying to figure out the 10 people who are going to get to talk. So, Oh, you're limiting the number. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not going to be a free-for-all. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, this is not some buffet. No way. Because God knows I'd be like 40 people want to go up there and rip me apart for five minutes. No thanks. No effing thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll be 10, which will, which will be my little revenge. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're, rec- I'm recovering from that and I had a nice day, uh, interviewing S- Scott Z. Burns over, he's the writer, producer, and director for this new film, The Report with Adam Driver and Ed Benning. I went to his house in Venice and interviewed, which is really weird on the canals, Ooh. but, uh, yeah, but it was beautiful house, beautiful yeah. house. And, uh, we just sat and talked. He was really nice, very gentlemanly. And we had a really good conversation. So look for that later on the deep cut, uh, in a few weeks, but today 
It's the Geek Buddies. And uh, for those of you who are new to the show, thank you so much for taking a chance on us. I think you're going to love it. Uh, and, and for those who are not new to the show, thanks for coming back. Welcome I mean, back, guys yeah. and girls. Thanks and for others. taking a chance on returning. Yeah. Yeah, uh, obviously we did enough for you to come back, so thank you. Um, what we usually do is each of us uh, has a geek news item, we present it, we discuss it for a little bit, and then we move on to our main topic, and our main topic today is obviously that Star Wars trailer. We want to talk about it all and break it on down and, and give you our feelings about it, and, uh, and maybe we'll, yeah, I guess that's going to be our main topic, right? Because we're going to move that Watchmen thing to a separate... Yeah, we're going to give you guys a spoiler-filled Watchmen review uh, coming up later uh, this week, but right now it's uh, geek news and Star Wars. All right, our first geek news item, Shannon. So, it was reported last week on the heels of uh, Jonah Hill passing on whatever role he was up for in the Batman. Some say the Penguin, some say the Riddler. Paul Dano from There Will Be Blood, from Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, really, really fantastic actor has signed on to play. And I don't think they've officially said it, but yeah. everyone is assuming this is, he is going to be the Riddler. What a fantastic choice. Now, as for Jonah Hill, like, I understand, you know, you, you, you were a heavier guy. You lost all this weight. They wanted you to play the Penguin, and the Penguin is known to be sort we, of a more we rotund. Think. We think. Right. We don't know. Well, the rumor was that Matt Reeves wanted him to play the Penguin, and he was not necessarily jazzed about that. I was like, well, if you'd like to play the Riddler, that's, that's up for grabs, too. So apparently, as the negotiations were going on with him, and they were going south, the rumor was that they were kind of dealing with uh, Paul Dano on the side. thing. like, we think he's going to pass on this. We want to have this guy in the chamber. And between those oh, two, wow. to play Edward Nigma, I think Paul Dano is the superior choice. Mm. Now, going forward, that says that Warner Brothers now, that the thing that they're fo- focused on, they are trying to find their Oswald Cobblepot. They are trying to find... Their penguin. Yeah. What do you gentlemen think of this casting? I like the bit, the Dano casting. I think it also when you combine it with uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz and Pattinson so far, and then Jeffrey Wright. I think what you're getting is a lot of strong actors who are coming into this piece to give it a little more depth and complexity, and it doesn't feel like you know, like let's all go have fun. This feels like you're gonna, you want to have actors that are going to convey a little bit of. Um, Gravitas to their roles and bring some kind of extra element to these roles that feels more lived in, grounded, and realistic. And so for that, I'm a big fan of that, yeah. uh, certainly. Um, but I, the Jonah Hill thing is rubbing me wrong for a number of reasons. Because, A, yeah, it seemed a little too on the nose to cast him as Penguin because of the weight situation. Right. Um, the other thing is this is like it's he, they're making such a big deal about the fact that he passed on it. I feel like his people are making a big deal about it. I feel yeah. like he wanted the Riddler role, right. which was the Dano role, because there's more. the Riddler does more. I feel like that's the reason. And the Penguin maybe isn't as strong in the film, and he's like, yeah, I want the more flashier that, role. That's funny that you say that. I The Penguin is interesting to me, because I think the Penguin is such a fascinating character in that I think the Penguin is not that interesting on his own. Mm. I think he's not. Like, when you do a story that is just like Batman and the Penguin, it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. The Penguin's big plots. I'm always like, "Uh, you got umbrellas, whatever. (laughs) The second, and I believe it was the animated series that did it first, but once they sort of came up with this idea of the Iceberg Lounge Mm -hmm. and that the Penguin was like a legitimate business, quote unquote legitimate businessman, but everybody knew what was really going on and he was kind of that go between between like legitimate Gotham City and the underworld of Gotham City, he became a thousand times more interesting. Yeah. So I wonder, in that respect, what his role is going to be in this movie. I mean, whenever you have this many villains uh, in a movie, it does sort of become a balancing act of who's Mm. doing what so that you don't end up with kind of like old school... Yeah, let's team up and fight Batman. Like, you know, everyone has to have their role to play. So in a lot of ways, I think the Penguin could be 
really interesting, maybe for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. No, no offense to Danny DeVito and his <laughs> wah, 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 but like, <laughs> or, or Burgess Meredith. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that would have been one of my problems with the Jonah Hill casting as well. I mean, one, I think there is a class to Oswald Cobblepot that I don't feel like Jonah Hill really radiates. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. also, like they are, they are casting on the young side. I don't think they should all be in their late 20s, early 30s, that you should have one character that is a little older, that has mm. been around for a bit. And it seems like, to me, that's the, ro- that's the void that the Penguin would fill. Maybe, mm. yeah. Okay. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, on the Paul Dano front, I mean, I kind of said this beforehand, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I mm-hmm. think it's solid casting. I agree with, Johnny, what you're saying yeah. about, like, that's a solid actor. So, I don't, again, I'm like, now, we're getting to the point now where now that all the pieces are sort of, like, falling into place... It's like, I'm like, okay, casting seems solid. What's next? Right. Like what now I need to know. I want to know more. Let me ask you guys about this rumor that popped up yesterday. And this is off. We got this covered and which is not usually that reliable. Um, But a lot of people are starting to bubble in the industry like this, these, this like a slow murmur, this underground murmur. About this possibility that Michael Keaton might be coming back. Keaton, 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 Keaton. Yeah. Keaton, Keaton that's the murmur. <laughs> Keaton, 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 Keaton. Watermelon cantaloupe, watermelon cantaloupe. Uh, they're saying like <laughs> Michael Keaton could be coming back as old Batman. And what Robert Pattinson is actually playing is Terry McKenzie. Is that right, Terry McKenzie? McGinnis. McGinnis, yes. You're so close. I know. I was really close. Terry so. McKenzie? <laughs> I had three glasses of wine. Owns the pub down the street? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Batman. Beyond. Um, uh, what would, would, would this blow your mind? Because already we're seeing a picture of Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne in Crisis. Crossover. Yeah, the Crisis crossover. So would this blow your mind if they did this? And do you think it would – would it push you back from it a little bit? Would, you, would it make you leery of about it i would be absolutely shocked if this is what actually is transpiring yeah. i don't think there's a world where this is a reality at all <laughs> i yeah, mean okay. i think the idea of them wanting to do a batman beyond movie and michael keaton getting to the age where he could realistically play that that yeah. older bruce wayne i think that sounds like a solid idea but for this to for it to be a three-card monty and to to be revealed like, ha it's just kidding. He's playing Terry, Terry McGinnis and the whole thing is going to be a Batman Beyond movie. That makes, to me, that makes literally no, no sense. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a Matt Reeves thing to do. It doesn't feel like a Matt Reeves thing to do. Also, it, the fact that Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman yeah. and the fact that Paul Dano is uh, Riddler and the fact that they are both on the younger side, yeah. it, would, it would mean that... You would have to somehow go, there's an older Batman, but now there's a younger Batman, but also a younger Catwoman and a younger Riddler, which seems like a big stretch. Like in Batman Beyond, the only classic villains that appeared, I believe, uh, Mr. Freeze was one because he was frozen, so he didn't die. Uh, Suckers. (laughs) And then uh, obviously the big one is the way that they did Joker in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Right. but like to go uh, to go and say here's a whole new generation of villains as well. Yeah, that would be interesting. Now look, the the but the very idea the idea that you could just do a and they're not doing this clearly because Zoe Kravitz has been announced. But if you were going to do like Robert Pattinson was Batman, but Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman, and then Michael like there's a oh. world. we are at an age. I mean, the thing that's interesting right now is Batman Beyond doesn't need to be this hyper futuristic Gotham wow. City. Wow, we are at an age now where 
if Michael Keaton had been Batman, yeah. a younger Batman in modern day, like 2020, 2022, whatever, would make sense. So mm. it's an interesting idea to me. It is not an idea that I think is happening here. Wow. Okay. But now I do want to go write my Batman Beyond movie. So if you'll excuse me, I have to go, <laughs> I have to, go, I have to go jot some outline notes down at Starbucks. You just, you just messed my head up telling me Michelle Pfeiffer could be a Catwoman <laughs> in this movie with a young Catwoman trainee. That would be badass. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't think that's happening either. I mean, because it feels like a long Halloween. And the, the more they don't say that that's ha- the more you don't hear that that's happening, the more it feels like it is. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, so you, th- you like it. Oh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, do, have, do either of you guys remember that movie Hostels? With, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, That's you take Paul great. Dano's character from that yeah. and put this mentally fragile guy that I think you could respectfully play him as somewhat on the spectrum. Yeah. Who, who is this riddle-obsessed genius. Well, didn't he tweet Edward Nashton, which is a kind of reference to uh, Nash from Beautiful Mind? Beautiful Mind. So it's, it was his way of saying, it's not Edward Nigma, it's Edward Nashton. So maybe it was kind of a playful reference to the fact that he could be a guy who's got this kind of like thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. possible that that's, that plays into the situation as well. Um, all right. Anything else to say? Oh, Riddler. Oh, who do you want to see as Penguin? I guess you were going to ask that, oh, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, well, I mean, I, we've talked about this so yeah, many yeah. times that it's, it's to me, it's got to be Michael Stuhlbarg from Boardwalk mm-hmm. Empire. I mean, that guy... He could be your older character you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that guy... It's a good choice. ...plays... I mean, if you've ever watched Boardwalk... Does he play... <laughs> I see Michael's face just kind of dripping. No, I was just thinking. Well, well, you, well, he didn't watch Boardwalk Empire. I didn't watch Boardwalk well, Empire. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, was he Lansky in Boardwalk Empire? He was Meyer Lansky. Um, yeah, I mean... No, 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 no. He was Ace Rothstein. Rothstein? He was, he was the F... Wasn't he the F. Murray character uh, from, from Eight Men Out? Wasn't he Ace Rothstein? I th- I thought he was Meyer Lansky. No, Meyer Lansky were the three young kids. Oh, that's right. You're right. He was Rothstein. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, anyways, that guy, that's sort of the the measured way he delivers yeah. that dialogue. And you definitely and get, the this, get this. Yeah, this quiet, this quiet menace yep. that I think would look great for a realistic penguin. Okay. I think I think he's the guy. Now you got me on this Batman Beyond kick, so now I want Danny DeVito to play the Penguin in this movie. So now I can't think of anybody else, because now I'm thinking of this, like, Michael Keaton shows up, you go to the Iceberg Lounge, Danny DeVito's sitting there, and he's like, ah, ah, I used to be mayor of Gotham. Ah, ah, like, I'm trying to be legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm trying to okay. think of anybody else, but... All right, all right. Um... Uh, I know online people are still banging the drum for Josh Gad, which I think would be a mistake. Yes, I agree as well. I think it would add a, a, a wrong element to this. That well, to your point, I think, I think Josh Gad does a, does a thing that he does very well. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that he does, he's good at. Yeah. But to this level of sort of gravitas or what you're looking for in the Penguin, I don't know that he would bring that. Yeah. Yes. I think that's fair. Um, all right, Mikey, you, you want to take it? Yeah, I actually, so, uh, I wanted to talk about an article I was just reading in the Washington Post about, uh, Watchmen, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do a spoiler review of Watchmen separate yeah. from this, but, uh, one of the things that I found really interesting, um, about Watchmen was the way that it opened. So this is kind of a minor spoiler if you haven't seen it, um, but very minor and you find out literally as soon as you watch the show and it's all over social media and it's all over social, social media, media is that the beginning of Watchmen um, depicts the uh, the Tulsa race massacre that happened in uh, 1921 and a oh. lot of people didn't know that it existed that it was a real thing so if you're not aware uh, you can check out the Washington Post uh, there's a great article by uh, Deneen L. Brown that kind of covers this whole thing but uh, 
In May 31st, 1921, uh, a white mob set fire to hundreds of black-owned businesses and homes, uh, and historians believe as many as 300 people were killed. Uh, More than 10,000 black residents were left homeless. As many as as 40 blocks were left smoldering. In Tulsa, it was referred to at the time as Black Wall Street. Because because it was successful, right? Because there was a bunch of black people uh, who had kind of formed this town, formed Mm -hmm. these businesses, and they were... Really successful. Yeah, through the, the oil, through the oil. Uh, yeah. Very, very affluent, very successful. And the Ku Klux Klan uh, and several other Klan sympathizing white folk yeah. uh, really didn't like it and just destroyed the town, including having planes fly overhead and drop bombs on the town. It was yeah. So it's it's intense. It's crazy. Uh, so when Watchmen starts with this scene in the in the show on HBO when it premiered last Sunday, a lot of people thought that this was some sort of alternate reality thing, particularly because of the planes flying over. They thought, oh, my God, so this is a crazy thing that happened that's sort of a extreme version of the racism that we know was in yeah. our history. And people found out really quickly when they Googled it that it was not remotely embellished that this is a real thing that happened. Yeah. Um, so the article in the Washington Post is really, really interesting. Uh, if you want to check it out, uh, kind of covers what the, the facts of the actual thing. But what I found really interesting is we haven't really touched on this on the show really, but you know, in the past few weeks between Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese, mm. I guess Scorsese first saying what he said about Marvel films that he didn't really care for them and thought right. they were just like these amusement park rides. And then Francis Ford Coppola coming out and kind of agreeing with him and then doubling down and calling co- the Marvel movies despicable. So there's been a whole hubbub all over people defending them, people uh, arguing with them, the whole thing. Um, and I kind of personally like what John Favreau said, which is these guys are gods of cinema. They've made films that we all love and respect and look up to. And they've kind of, even if they are kind of grumpy old men now, They've earned the right to say what they want to say. But what I thought was really interesting about The Watchmen on HBO being a comic book inspired piece of entertainment and this fact about the Tulsa race riots is I think that it kind of does a really good job of showing how comic book movies and comic book stories can be just as weighty, just as important and do things for us as a society as much as any other type of cinema. Um, I posted this on Facebook. I think it's kind of a shame that most people don't learn about this, that none of us learned about this in school, yeah, totally. that, that this is something that is just not taught at all. But the fact that Watchmen, which is about, you know, a blue guy on Mars and, a, you know, a giant squid from the classic comic can kind of kick things off in a way that starts with the Tulsa race riots and then as we will talk about in our spoiler interview, gets into some really heavy stuff. So I think that Coppola and Scorsese make a good point that not some comic book movies are kind of disposable, but I think this shows as the genre, and we've talked about this on the show, whether it be a Black Panther or the Joker or anything, as the genre grows and develops, it is uh, comic books are just the source material, um, but what you do with that source material can be just as weighty and important as any other thing in cinema. Yeah. 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 Really agree. Um, Reading... Uh, Scorsese's comments. It did sound like it, this is just this is someone who's just it's it's a generational gap. Yeah. Um. It's 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 like how all they made in the fifties and sixties were were westerns, and the auteur filmmakers of the time didn't think much of those. Um, right. Hearing Coppola call them despicable, that is the that's the grumpy old neighbor well, who you're yeah. on his lawn. He's the troll. And that's what Coppola is. Look, for I love Coppola's movies, but I'm never going to deny the fact that the guy can be a bit of a troll, an internet troll himself, in real life. Right. And he has always been willing to wade into the battle and be 
judgmental and dismissive. But if you're judgmental and dismissive with him, boy cries all the way home. So like that's who Coppola is, and at times it can be frustrating. I find this ironic because if down the road we hear that Sophia is directing a superhero movie, this will be an interesting conversation to have down the road. <laughs> Honestly, I want to be at that Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like, but like, but I think there's what's important to remember is yeah, I agree, Favreau. You know, we've said this. Like they have a right to say what they want to say. It can be destructive. It can be damaging, possibly, but it's not going to stop these films from being made. Of course not. And what's important, though, to remember is that you have to take every case, I think, in context, right? What Marty is saying, because Marty is a film director who's still in the game. Coppola's out, you know, on a vineyard trying to get money for his film, uh, you know, was it called doing nothing. Megalopolis? Yeah, whatever it's called. You know. <laughs> By the way, he has enough money to make that movie. He just doesn't want to use his own money. Let's start there. But like, you know, but Scorsese's still in the game. So Scorsese's still a filmmaker who has to go and ask for money from studios to make his films. And Irishman, everybody turned him down until Netflix gave him money. So there's a frustration built into that uh, that came out in calling these things like, you know, like, uh, you know, theme parks or whatever. But Mikey makes a great point with Watchmen. And by the way, that's also an interesting thing to unpack, Michael, because Watchmen was made as a way to kind of like rip apart all the cliches of comic book. When it came out. When it came out, right. Yeah. It was to expose what, what it would really be like. Like the boys, what it would really be like if we had comic book heroes and what the world would actually do to them. And, and the comedian certainly serves as that. So there's a lot more layers to the Watchmen thing. But they all work because, like you said, it's used to present these actual things. I mean, the original Watchmen is about nuclear war, for yeah. God's sakes. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that was really smart. And again, we'll talk about this more in the spoiler review. But just the, the same way that the original Watchmen in the 80s was about nuclear war, which was the thing that everybody was really scared mm. and obsessed with, kicking off the new Watchmen with the Tulsa race riots in yeah. 1921 and kind of leading into what we're dealing with today as a society was really interesting. I mean, did you did you know about the Tulsa race riots before? I had heard, I had heard the term Black Wall Street before and I knew oh. that there had been an attack on a town. Wow! But I did not. I did not know that it was what was being presented. Yeah. And did you? What about you, Johnny? I had no clue about this thing. Really? Yeah. No. Certainly clue. didn't know about the planes. And you know, I'm really trying to be really well aware of, of racial stuff in this in, in our history. But I was so shocked when I was watching. So I paused it after that whole scene, scene and then read up on it on Wikipedia and was like shocked. Yeah. The only I mean, just the, shocked. That, like I, the only way, the only reason that I actually did know about it mm. is because. Uh, I love all the Crooked Media podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to all those guys. But the Pod Save America, Pod Save the World, Pod Save the People. And on, pods, on Pod Save the People, uh, they had actually talked about it. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, a while ago. And I was, like, mm. kind of shocked that something – like, I went and looked it up and I was, like, could not believe it. But, yeah, if you looked on Twitter this week, a ton of people were, like, I cannot believe – that I had no idea mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. this. So, yeah. good so good on Damon Lindelhoff and HBO and Watchmen. Yeah, cuz a lot some people I've seen bitching about the show saying, "Oh, once again, white man bad." It's like, "Nah, but don't be stupid. Don't be reductive cuz that's not what's happening here." Because- also, also in 1921 in, yeah. in Tulsa, white man bad. White man bad. <laughs> like, right, right, fair point. It's, it's Pretty clear cut. White but, man bad. By the way, National Guard was involved in this too. It wasn't just a bunch of white people running around throwing bombs. The yeah. National Guard was involved in this yeah, like as they, well. Yeah, they like they rounded people up. Yes. Black people and put yes. them to camps. Yes. And, and the crazy part of it too is that the Red Cross was involved and they wouldn't release the numbers at the time because they were like kind of covering up a little bit for it. 
as well. But overall, this is this is what frustrates me about people who don't want to put this stuff in textbooks and don't want to put this stuff to educate, and then they're surprised that racism makes a comeback. The more we don't talk about shit or try to bury it or try to say it, we've moved past it, the, le- the more people can feel that they are they can go back to those kinds of things or they can create those kinds of things and not see the end result of what doing that does. You know, I, I get really, really mad about this country when it does that because I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with being aware of all your mistakes from the past because it forces you not to repeat I'm them. I'm glad you said that because I'm making notes for your roast next year. <laughs> I made a list of all your mistakes. Yeah, please do. From uh, your past. Try, yeah, let's see. Trust me, I already have the list in my head every <laughs> fucking day. Every fucking day. Uh, trust me. I'd be a millionaire by now. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, there you go. Um, oh, listen. So, okay. So, uh, are we good? Yeah. Are we, okay. So, we'll talk about that more, obviously, in our spoiler review, which Michael has said. So, keep we'll an eye be out, out. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm throwing a swerve to you guys. I know I had said something. I was going to find a, I was going to do a geek news item about the blood sp- shot trailer but i don't really want to talk about that there's a a a piece of news that dropped uh last night into today uh keanu reeves has met with the writer of the fast and the furious movie about joining the series so this is an incredible interest to me chris morgan speaking to chris rant uh speaking to screen rant rather said he spoke with keanu reeves uh but nothing's official he said i sat down with him and we're talking about it i wanted him to be in the fast universe for a very long time we're just trying to find the hardest thing is always time and competing schedules and then designing the right thing together. My fervent desire is to bring him into this franchise for sure. Now, Reeves has a lot of stuff coming up uh, in him, for himself, but and Vin Diesel's already been filming things for Fast Furious Night, so I can't imagine Reeves. He would do maybe a cameo, maybe a one-scene thing to kind of tease like it did with Statham. Uh, but other than that, I think this is an absolutely awesome idea to bring Keanu Reeves into the franchise. And it's, it, you know, it's a way to keep it alive. People are like, well, if The Rock's leaving... Are people going to keep watching? The way you keep watching is bringing people in who are interesting and topical. Oh, well, and thoughts. Cena, they're they're, bre- they're bringing Cena into this Cena's not bringing right. butts in the seats. No offense no, no, to John no, that, Cena. No, that's not. That's not. I, what I can't I'm even saying, see him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but they are. They, they are trying to keep the franchise fresh. Yes, they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, Charlize did this. I mean, Charlize is an Oscar-winning actor. Well, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. <laughs> right. Fair point. I mean. I'm sure. I'm sure the Fast and the Furious pays very well. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah. So does Transformers. Yeah, good. What? So okay. <laughs> now, I enjoy. I enjoyed John Wick one. I didn't. Really oh, like John here Wick comes that here comes much. Coppola over here. Yes, go and ahead. And John Wick three was fine. Um, I think if it's not cinema. If <laughs> I found it to be despicable. It's, it's, despicable. <laughs> All the pencils <laughs> makes me furious. Uh, it's it, those movies. I am not a fan of those movies. Now I recognize the value in them because they are yeah. what ten in now. Yeah, yeah. With, with Hobbs and Shaw. Well, yeah, right, right. right um, Hobbs and Shaw. If they're if they're if they're filming nine right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So I see the value in them. I see them as a product, as a commodity. Like absolutely, and again, I haven't seen a ton of them. So, but I would think that Keanu Reeves is um, perceived limitations as an actor. Wow, might work really well in that franchise. Wow. Do you do you think Vin Diesel and The Rock are dinging him in the parking lot in terms of the craft I, for those movies? I think Vin Diesel's. I mean, uh, Keanu Reeves is a way better actor than Vin Diesel, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, he's got multiple franchises to his name. That says volumes. Uh, so I I think he's a much better actor in the right situation. Uh, okay. But I think it gives a little more 
wait to the Fast and Furious series to have someone like Keanu Reeves stepping in here. And if he's playing the villain, that would be fun for us as fans to see Keanu do something he doesn't. He rarely does, which is play a villain. He plus he's been doing. He was, he's legitimately a martial artist as well. Like he knows that, kung fu. He knows kung fu. <laughs> Car fu, gung fu, horse fu. He got horse fu, horse fu, car fu. He knows all the foods. All the foods. <laughs> he, when he uh. played, he played sort of a heightened version of himself in that uh, Ali Wong yeah. Netflix yes. movie, right? Which I did not care for the movie, but I thought that scene was really that funny. scene was great. Um, uh, I think Keanu Reeves has earned so much adulation because he's supposed to be just a great person, right? 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 Um, uh, Mikey Vogel is, has been shaking his head I, consistently here. I, I I disagree with you. I well I agree with you, but I I'm in an interesting position. I me. I am I at this point and I, I just at this point it's just a point of like I'm stubborn. I have never seen a Fast and the Furious movie. What? Never seen a single one. What? I've never seen a single fan of Fast and the Furious movie. It this, is not my jam. I like think a- those trailers are ridiculous. But but. <laughs> I 1,000% understand why people like them. Yes. Uh, when I was working at Hasbro, we were talking with Universal for a brief period of time about doing some stuff with Fast and the Furious that never happened, so I guess I can say that. But uh, we went in to Universal and did like they, they did an entire presentation for us on the DNA of Fast and the Furious, mm. how, why the brand works, what the brand's all about. And it was really kind of interesting to sit there and watch what how they talk about it. Yeah. Um, and... I get why it works. I get why people love it. And at this point, you know, when you look at it, those first three movies or so, it wasn't until like the fourth or fifth movie where they figured out this kind of formula that they have now. And the formula works. And it's like you bring in a new person and they become a part of the family. And then another person comes in and either fights the family. Like it's, it just goes, it's, it's a, it's a wash, rinse, repeat, and the bigger names that they can get in there, it will sustain itself. So as a fan, I'm super not into it. I don't really carry the way, but. (laughs) I do think that Keanu Reeves coming in totally sounds right. Yeah. Totally sounds like something they would do. And I think it'll a thousand percent work and it'll be like a biggest box office of ever. You, sir, and your opinions of Keanu Reeves acting. Yeah. Bring it on. Disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think that Keanu... It's very interesting. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, uh, an actor here in LA, a uh, friend of ours. But like we were talking about how... Um, Another there's, actor. There's, there's another actor. Is if, you, if you count bad acting, if you count bad acting, there's three different types of acting. Ooh, there's bad acting. There is bad so acting. There's, there's just, you're just not a good actor. Then there is you are really good at playing yourself. Mm. People go to the movies to see you. It doesn't mean you can't do other things, but whether you be uh, Julia Roberts, Tom Robert Downey Jr., Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, yeah. y- you go on screen and you play the person that we sort of think you to be, know you to be, want you to be, Chris Pratt. And you do that, and we will come over and over. And Keanu Reeves falls squarely into that. Like, yeah. every role that he has played, as much as he is sort of the, I don't do a lot of expression, I say, whoa, that's crazy. You killed my dog. I'm Bill S. Uh, you know, I'm, t- I'm Ted mm. Theodore Logan. Like, whatever it is, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's the same thing, but we like it. And then there's the Robert De Niro's, the Meryl Streep's, the, like, you are Daniel just like, Day-Lewis, the Daniel yeah, Day-Lewis's, yeah. where you're like, you, you played, you, I don't, Every movie, I don't even know what's going to happen. And that's a whole other thing. But like, I think Keanu Reeves does fall very squarely in the, you give us a thing and you are really, really good at giving us that thing, 
you are not a bad actor. You are very fun to watch on screen. Yeah. You just do your thing. Yeah. See, I don't even think he's good at doing his thing. Oh I think God. he looks great on a poster. What is happening? I think he looks great in action scenes, especially his look with John Wick. Like he hadn't, he didn't have that particular look before. Um, I, I think he looks great moving. Um, it's when even the first John Wick. Oh yeah, people keep asking me if I'm back. I think it's safe to say, yeah, I'm back. It's ridiculous. You just turned him to Jim Ignatowski from Taxi. He doesn't it's- do. <laughs> <laughs> Have you never seen the connection between Christopher Lloyd and Keanu no. Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> you, so this is just one of your things. You really don't like him. I th- I think he's silly. I, I think what? he's, kind, I think he's kind of silly. Holy um, shit. That's not to say that I don't enjoy some of his movies. Okay. I think he's I think he's a little on the silly side. And if he were to, and if he were to pop up in a Star Wars film, he will DC, never be in a Star Wars film. Or a DC Wars. film or a Marvel film, I'd be like, done, I'm there. I'd, I would have loved to have seen him as a But Fast and the Furious is too much for you, though. That's, <laughs> that's... No, I, no, I didn't say it was too much for you. I'm saying, I think that franchise speaks exactly to what he's good at. Oh, 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 oh. You yeah. just said he's not good at it. I, hope, <laughs> I really hope Keanu Reeves is not listening right now because uh, I can just see him sitting on a park bench with one little tear rolling yeah. down his eye. Yeah. God bless that man. Don't make me feel bad for having an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Uh, All right. Well, that's our uh, Geek News item. Somewhere, somewhere right now. Shannon McClung doesn't like my acting. Why don't you like my acting? <laughs> it's almost like we know someone like that. All right, we're going to take a break. <laughs> after uh, That's our Geek News item. We're going to jump into our main topic after this break, and we're going to hear from our sponsors right now. All right, well, that's our sponsors. Thank them so much. And, of course, we voiced some of those. Uh, thank you for... Or, or all of them. Oh, all of them. Sorry, all of them. Thank you for supporting the show, and thank you all for again for downloading the show. Now we're going to get into our main topic. Shannon, you want to introduce this one? You rarely introduce our main topics. You want to introduce this one? Nah, because you guys are more passionate about this one than I. This is an interesting show, Michael. <laughs> Mikey, please. Uh, so let's talk about Star Wars, the Rise hey, of Skywalker trailer. Uh, premiered Monday night during the sports. During the sports. During the sports. <laughs> about the sports. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I, I as soon as it uh, premiered, well, actually, even before this, the trailer premiered, uh, me and two of our buddies, Jonathan Gabay, who is uh, has been on the show, and our friend Paul yes. Beswick, we purchased 108 tickets for Star Wars for Star Wars on Thursday night. So <laughs> we are we are we are ready to go with a. Uh, me and 107 of my closest friends. Yeah, for those of you who listen to the show, and I've told you before how I go see We Roll Big for Star Wars, Michael just independently verified that for you all. 108. We've gone 77, uh, 76, I think, or is, was it 60-something for the first time? And 76 the this second is the most. time. This, is, this the most. is the most. This is so the most. That should tell you. I wasn't lying about it. So This is more... I thought we had more for Force Awakens. No. No. No, no, no. no, no. Okay. This is definitely the most. So, uh, trailer came out. A um, lot of opinions. Uh, Shannon, as you just said, I, I think probably I am the most excited out of the three of us. Mainly, mainly because I have the least baggage about Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but So we can talk about that. But Shannon, as someone who is not as excited, yeah. why don't we start with you? And then we can sort of break down the trailer and kind of talk theories and what we think about it. And tell you why your opinion is wrong. So ahead, when we were... John and I were out having dinner yep. when the trailer came on. Oh, yeah, and that's so right. That's right. We, just, we just saw the visuals. We got a little bit of the volume. Then what, what movie did we... Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We were, which we, was great. Yes, which was fantastic. We'll have a review of that as well down the road. We yeah. thanks, uh, thanks, thanks, guys. I'm glad you had fun. Oh, it was, just had, the, it was just the best night. It was really good. <laughs> Arnold is in classic form. 
But we were in the IMAX theater, and and everyone that was waiting for the movie to start, everyone's watching the Star Wars trailer. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's a I think it's a perfectly fine trailer. I think it it hits it checks off all those emotional boxes. Um, my reticence with it is I felt like I got burned real bad on Last Jedi, <sighs> and I I don't know how they write the ship and give us a satisfying ending. I hope they do. I want that more than anything. Mm. I just don't know how they're going to do it right now, and I think that's why I am sort of holding back my enthusiasm right now. I, I, I don't want it to be bad. I don't want to come out of it and shit on it. I want it to be a good movie. I just think they have a lot of work to do to make that happen. Hmm. Oh, this is going to turn into a Last Jedi conversation. I just know it. Uh, Johnny, what do you think? <laughs> I, I liked the trailer. I certainly enjoyed it. Um, I thought the beginning I was a little bit like, oh, this feels like Tomb Raider. Uh, and then it kind of slid into it, found its rhythm, and certainly the C3O, C-3PO moment uh, broke me and certainly tears. yeah tears certainly Leia saying always to finish out More what tears. Luke was saying was a great way to end the trailer but there are some fantastic visuals in this trailer from them fighting on the in the water horses on ships in water yeah, horses on ships in water <laughs> things of that nature um, also it kind of pissed me off because it looks unless it's some kind of vision it looks like Ray and Kylo work together again uh, to kill some Darth Vader looking thing so uh, I don't know if that's a real obviously JJ wouldn't show that if it's actually like the ending of the movie or something but like so to me i came out of it just excited and even more excited like well, i feel like jj is gonna get it right more than he's gonna get it wrong so that's all i want and you just said something that i know you're angry about uh so let's talk about this is you are if if they redeem kylo ren you are you are dead set against that if they don't do it really really well yes okay. i'm gonna be pissed i i reserve the right that there's a possibility they can do it well and i'll accept it but for me personally, no. He killed his fucking father. Yeah, Darth Vader killed billions of people. Yes, so did Kylo. He stood by and let it happen. Happen. And so to me, that is like that I don't like. And we still don't know why. That's the big thing. We don't know why this emo kid is so fucking mad. And like no one has told us yet, two movies into a trilogy, what his major malfunction is. I think that's fair. Well, that brings up a thing kind of to address the Last Jedi thing without us going down a rabbit hole of arguing about the Last Jedi for the rest of the episode. Yeah, we should not do that. Uh I was just recently, I was flying back from Florida when I was visiting my family, and they had all the Star Wars movies on uh, the Delta flight to watch. So I watched oh, Force cool. Awakens again. I haven't watched it in a little bit. Love that film. And I love Force Awakens. And it reminded me of something, because I think I'm one of the few, like, I love Force Awakens, and I love Last Jedi. Yeah. I think they're both great. <sighs> the thing about Force Awakens, though, as I watched it, that I realized is, I have as many problems with Force Awakens as I have with Last Jedi. Oh, interesting. So it's really interesting to me we've all, you know, separately argued the points of Last Jedi, whether it's Leia using the Force or Luke's attitude or... Mom jokes. Yeah, like all the things people don't like. There are just as many, like, the fact that Force Awakens never really explains why the Resistance is there, what the difference is with the Resistance and the Republic, the fact that R2-D2 wakes up at the end for no reason whatsoever. Like, there's a lot of things in Force Awakens that are also, like, kind of giant holes. Um... So to me, Star Wars as a franchise is one of these perfectly imperfect things. Mm -hmm. It's not something where every movie just nails it. I mean, Empire Strikes Back is sort of the epitome of like, this is all perfect. But even in Empire Strikes Back, you're like, so Luke trained with Yoda for like two days? Yeah, right. Like there's there's, every movie has things you can poke at. But they also said he wasn't ready. He he didn't finish. Yeah, that's what Lucas and yeah. I get it. But I'm saying that like everyone goes crazy about, you know, 
Ray force pulling a lightsaber at the end of a movie, but Luke trains for two days and everyone's like, yeah, okay, he could fight. He could stand up against Darth Vader on Cloud City 20 minutes later. But he loses. I, That's the thing. I'm, I, Ray I get keeps it. winning. Ray didn't win. J.J. Abrams, we, again, this is a, a flaw with Force Awakens to yeah. me is not that, J, that Ray beats Kylo Ren because she doesn't. The earth opens up between them and spreads them apart so that she doesn't have yeah, to. But he's she, on the ground. Well, and also he's had way more training. So the fact that they were even at a draw is a miracle. My point being, yeah. without getting down on this whole right, thing, right. which we could we can spend You keep bringing this up. More, but my point being is just to say that I think that neither Force Awakens nor Last Jedi are perfect. And I think both Force Awakens and Last Jedi have amazing, awesome Star Wars moments in them. Yeah. Um, so for me, going into this trailer, I don't feel like they have to as much they don't have to write the ship as much as I think you do Shannon I think mm-hmm. I think that once you accept the fact that Snoke died and that certain things happened in Last Jedi you're like okay I'm ready to dive back in and see we're picking up several years later I, I think mm-hmm. or at least a period of time later sure um, we're gonna see what's happening they're clearly gathering the resistance uh, there's a lot of things in the trailer that I think already, based on what I'm seeing, seem to be writing certain things. Like I do agree in Last Jedi, I don't like that Admiral Akbar went out, yeah. basically off screen. Yeah, but they've already sort of confirmed that if you look at that big shot of the Resistance with Lando in it. Uh, there's a Mon Calamari behind him that is apparently Admiral Akbar's son. Oh, nice. And I think that if you can't. You don't get to go bring Admiral Akbar back from the dead, Ugh. but if you have his son in the movie, that at least gives you a. I feel like I can like do something with this. Like I feel like they're already doing the right things Bobby to Ak- make this feel like the end of the saga. Bobby I, Akbar, Bob, B- Billy, Billy D. Ak- <laughs> Billy D. Akbar, <laughs> Billy D. Akbar. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about it. Now uh, you had said some of the novels kind of <laughs> filled in those gaps that Force Force Awakens left. Like you found out. How the resistance got started. Yeah. You got a little more context. Has there been any novels, have there been any comics that gives us a little more a little more insight into Snoke? No. No, not really much. Uh certainly they focused on Kylo Ren and Luke and Leia mm-hmm. as but not so much I, uh, and uh, I think uh, Snoke. I whether this was JJ Abrams' plan at the beginning of Force Awakens or whether he didn't have a plan and was like, we'll figure Snoke out later, or whatever it was. The smart thing to me, if it were me kind of trying to fix this, for lack of a better word, if you just said that Snoke was basically, whether wittingly or unwittingly, doing the bidding of Palpatine, and that he served his purpose by bringing Ray... Because what is it the Emperor actually wrote? The Emperor says in the trailer, at the beginning of the trailer, Kylo says... It's an instinct, a feeling, the Force brought us together. Mm -hmm. And then the Emperor says later in the trailer, long have I waited, and now you're coming together is your undoing. So I do think this idea of Rey and Kylo coming together, as since they say it twice in the trailer, is important. And if you sort of establish that Snoke, whether he knew it or not, bringing them together and having Kylo and Rey sort of work together almost, or literally work together Mm. in Snoke's room and getting them to that place where they were almost... A, a unit right. uh, was his plan all along, and even when we see them fighting in this trailer, like you said, in that big white room, yeah, where, yeah, they're, yeah. where they're both sort of taking down that whatever that black thing is. And if you look, Ray has like a dagger in her hand that yeah, a lot yeah. of people are surmising is like some kind of Sith dagger. We've already seen Dark Ray in the previous kind of teaser trailer they played at D twenty three. I don't think they're going to do Ray going down the dark side, but I do think the Emperor probably wants Ray to go down the dark side. Sure. And if you look at the history of Star Wars, like the saga of it, you know, as J.J. Abrams said, this is sort of the ending of the nine movies. 
This is Palpatine's play always. Yeah. In Revenge of the Sith, uh, Palpatine arranged it basically because of the Clone Wars themselves to have Anakin kill Dooku. Mm-hmm. So he took one person who he was sort of grooming and had him kill his Sith person. And then he, so he gets Darth Vader. And then he's clearly fully willing to sacrifice Vader in Jedi to get Luke, who he sees as more valuable. So it totally stands to reason that he had Snoke grooming Kylo, but really wanted this other person all along. And that he wants to try and get Rey to kill Kylo or something along those lines. Like that feels very much like a... That feels very much like it. So I, I think that based on the trailer and the whole coming together stuff, that's where I'm sort of leaning towards, and I'm super into it. Yeah. I'm down. I'm into it. Yeah, we can feel that. Standard old white male, though, isn't it? I'm going to trade up for the younger model. <laughs> Mikey. Mikey. Uh, also, uh, something was occurring to me as you were talking, Mike, and I don't know. It's, it's germinating in my head, so I don't know if it's fully – if I can fully, uh, I don't know, present it in a way that's that makes sense, but like – it's interesting that this, if this whole series has been Ray trying to redeem Kylo in 2019, that doesn't feel right. I don't think it's about Ray trying to because, redeem Kylo. Well, she was trying to redeem him certainly in, in Last Jedi, and and trying to bring him back. And she witnesses him kill Han, and instead of becoming a mortal enemy, now she wants to find a way to connect. Of course, she resisted at the beginning, but then she comes with him. And I know all these people are like shipping them like crazy, which. Drives me insane, I and mean, then look, shippers, shippers do what shippers do, man. Oh, shippers went after me. Shippers, on. shippers, shippers, shippers set sail. Shippers are crazy, or they they went after me. Like all these Bro. people calling me a sexist for not liking it or for making a joke about his pecs. Or Bro, his check out oh. my little pony tweets. We can talk oh, shipping can, all day I bet, long. I bet, I bet. <laughs> but my my own my the whole genesis of my feelings about it is that I'm so tired of seeing these films where the woman. Who's way more capable than the fucking dude, well, but yet they but, have to find a way to connect but, them. It frustrates the piss out of me. But just to be clear, Aquaman was like that. It was like, but just that Aquaman. He's an idiot. Aquaman is like that. But to be clear, in Last Jedi, yeah. Ray's goal is not, oh, baby Kylo, I think there's good in you. Ray, like, that's, okay. not, like, that's not her thing. Like, it she, feels that, but no, okay. no, no. Her, her goal is very clear. Like, she's like, I need to find somebody to help the resistance. And right. Luke is like, I'm out. And she's like, if you're not going to help me, this is the only other person I can go to. Mm-hmm. And Luke fully says no. So she kind of goes to Kylo, not out of, hey, I, sa- I mean, she does say, I think there's good in you. Like she does, the- she thinks it's there, yeah. but she's not doing it. Because, like Luke went to his father to go. Right, but that's I a, care about you. I found out you're my father. I think right. it's good in you. Ray is going. She's like, I need you to be good because I need somebody to help me. I don't know what to do here. Right. Um. The, and you, then, and then the point of Last Jedi ultimately is you are the Last Jedi. You got it. She does yeah. it herself. She raises the rock. Which she is what I Crystal want. Crystal foxes free. <laughs> run, <laughs> Crystal foxes, run. And you should. <sighs> you all should definitely watch that Collider video that we did. Oh, that was the funny. George Lucas thing. That was funny. Oh uh, yeah, it's caused some problems. <laughs> Let me just say that out loud. <laughs> there have been some problems, uh, but I think it's hilarious. It's a deep fake thing that we did. It's very funny. If you haven't seen it. George Lucas does his reaction to the trailer. Quote George Lucas. Yeah, quote right. Deep fake George Lucas. Big quotes it. around that George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was one of the funniest things we've ever done, but it certainly is causing some problems for some people. But that being said, uh, I, I, I think that's – I'm looking forward to them riding the ship. I'm certainly excited. I'm very excited to see do what they do. Do you know how you ride a ship? Do you know how to ride it? I, how? Put a bunch of fucking horses on top of it. Or oh, it writes itself. Lord. That – 
makes no sense. <laughs> well, watch the trailer again. <laughs> Looks good to me. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's another thing. We still have no, no idea who Jana is, right? We have no idea who that character is or, at uh, all. Or, um, um, and we only get one shot of Billy D again. Yeah. But also the uh, what's her name? Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell's character. Oh right, there was yeah. nothing. Almost no, no, nothing of Carrie. She's in the. She's in the group. She's standing there next to Poe and everybody. Sure. And like I, they read, they revealed that she's like an old friend of Poe's or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. she's she, a does mercenary. She have the helmet on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and the slave, the slave. Oh, uh, not slave one. What am I trying to say? The uh, ghost. Ghost from Moses. Yeah, Rebels. Ghost from Moses there. So will we get uh, Harris and Dula? Will it be I don't know that we'll see her or not, but I do General like it as there. I mean, in the comics. You know, speaking of like the other yeah. stuff where they fill it in, I mean, Harrison Dula plays a significant role in the rebellion yeah. in the comics. Like they've really elevated her up in the comics, and she's doing a whole lot. So that's really kind of cool to see because I think she's a great character. How could they? How would they? How could they fumble this? How could they? Yeah, fumble yeah. This? What's your fear? Like if, a thousand ways they could fumble this a thousand. I, like I'm very excited, but yeah. they could they could fuck it up. Do you feel like? <laughs> do you feel like this is a, an end game situation where it's like? However many times the Avengers lost, there's only one way they can win. <laughs> <laughs> How many did we win? By the How way, many times was the last was, I, was the Rise of Skywalker good? Mark my words now. We're all going to see this movie together on Thursday night. Y'all look at me right when the movie starts. I'm gonna raise one finger. I'm gonna raise one finger and be like, "We're in the end game now." Look, they could obviously they could screw this up in a yeah. lot of ways, but I mean, like, look the, the the broad strokes. What do you know from the trailer? Uh, what is it that Poe says? Poe says, uh, we're, we're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. So clearly yeah. that, you know, whether it is Billy D. Williams and other people, like, like I can very much see Lando coming in as a character. He's charismatic. He, yeah. like, brings people to their cause. Like, when we last saw them in Last Jedi, everyone who was in the Resistance could fit on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So to go from there to the giant... Uh, the the huge shot that you're talking about, right. you see all the ships, including yeah. the ghosts. The makeshift fleet. Um. Yeah. Clearly, people are coming together. You're going to get that. Like we're we're kind of rebuilding the resistance. We've inspired people to fight up against the first order. Right. That's happening. The Kylo Ray thing. Whatever they're going to do with it will be resolved. And I think by bringing the Emperor in, it will tie it in back to the the prequels, the original trilogy, yeah. everything. Because Palpatine was such a constant uh, presence through all of that. I'll be, I'll be oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say they've just released so many stills of things, and it's like this is a lot of stuff. Like the red, there is a the lot red, of stuff. The red Sith troopers, the yeah. Knights of Ren. Like, are, yeah. are these things? Are, are these things we're going to see a flash of, or are any of these going to play sort of a significant role? You never know. I mean, look, what are the uh, Mark Sloan already yelled at me once because I couldn't remember what they are. But what are the Emperor's private guards? The Red Guards called in Return of the Jedi. <sighs> I just thought they were the Imperial Guards. Imperial Guards. No, Mark Sloan already corrected me once on Twitter. Correct me again, Mark. Let him. Let let me have it. But like to my (laughs) point, those things are so iconic and awesome, and they're just in the movie for a few seconds. Like I, I don't mind like a red Sith trooper. Or like I don't mind the fact that George Lucas originally and the Star Wars franchise in the whole creates a lot of things that are just almost uh, setting the mood. Yeah, making the world feel lived in. I think the Knights of Ren definitely need to be expanded upon. Yeah, I think that that was something that JJ started and Ryan Johnson clearly did not continue with. Um, but and Shannon, you and I were talking about this the other morning. Um, you know, it, it's a really easy. I'm not saying that they will do this, but an easy solution is to say, while Kylo and Snoke were kind of honing in on the Resistance, the Knights of Ren were off doing whatever needed to be done to bring Palpatine back. 
and now they're back and like Palpatine is here and they're like all on like like I can see that I'm like okay cool there's a lot of things that you can very easily fix and if you do them in the exact right way the audience will be like cool and it will look 20 years from now like that was the way it should have been all along even though we all know that this whole journey of this trilogy has been uh zigzaggy to say yeah. the least <laughs> yeah uh you know, first of all, I don't like the fact that you guys are talking without me about stuff, but okay, I appreciate that. I thought we were geek buddies. Uh, but anyway, that being knew, said... By the way, as soon as I said it, <laughs> I knew that was I knew that was going to come get me. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, Mr. Terminator? <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, here's what I'll say. I, I think it'll be very, very interesting that all these people who are so crazy about Kylo and, and, and Rey getting together, if they don't get together and they don't redeem Kylo, will they be the people taking the spot of the people who are complaining about the fact that they're going to redeem Kylo. I, would they go, are they going to go insane on Twitter? I would love to see that. I do not think that those two end up as a couple. Do you think he gets redeemed? I think a very easy way for him to redeem himself is to die. Yes. I think trying that, to fight off. And again, I don't, I don't necessarily want JJ Abrams to do return of the Jedi 2.0. Um, I want, I want something new to be in there. But well, because if Kylo, I, well, no, no, he's, he's saying dot <laughs> two point oh. Most people don't say two point oh. Don't say two dot oh. Whatever, guys. That's <laughs> look, look. You don't know how they say it in a galaxy far. <laughs> Is it GIF or Jeff? I just so I was looking at it. It's GIF. I don't want to. Damn right, it's GIF. GIF. Uh, but Jeff no, I was saying like, yeah. I don't necessarily want to go down the road of like. The emperor is going to kill Rey, and then Kylo sacrifices himself. And the like, I, like yeah. I don't need, to, like I want them to do something different. But in general, Kylo doing some kind of noble sacrifice kind of serves the purpose of yeah. you going. I'm okay with that. I'm mad because, like, I don't want him to have a happy ending. He killed Indiana Jones. Yeah, well, his dad, Doctor Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, he did something that you go, okay. In the end, you did the right thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think that So there's something... a redemptive arc for yeah. that. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Um, and we'll see how that all plays out because this has to be Ray's story. This is not Kylo's story. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I feel the most about... The, here's the feeling I got coming away from the trailer the most. And I hope that this they stick the landing in so far as this. Yeah. Star Wars has always been kind of... want. There's never been anything else like it. The original trilogy is like one of the standards of cinema for everybody. It's like yeah. one of the biggest things that sort of created the blockbuster. It's one of the most famous things in movie history. We all pretty much hate the prequels. At least we do. The yeah, we do. Right, right, right. There's a um, large contingent. But there's of a large well, it, there's a large contingent of people and I know like there's there's guys that I hang out with in West Hollywood, mm-hmm. nerdy guys who are like in their 20s who they were at the right age, they think the prequels are gold. Yeah. They love them. And even with us, I'm young enough that I love the Ewoks. Yeah, yeah. Um and then the prequels were bad, but then the Clone Wars kind of made the prequels better. And then there's this trilogy, and like you were just saying, Shannon, this trilogy is uneven, but with the comics and the novels and some of the stuff that have come out since then that sort of fills in those gaps, it's just an interesting thing to me that this is a thing that has sort of hodgepodge been put together yeah. over the years by lots of people, and the things where the movies do fall down sort of get filled in by somebody else so that 20 years from now, this is still going to be one of the coolest pieces of mythology that we've created in our lifetimes. Yeah, I don't disagree. Do you know I, what I mean? I yeah. think that's what I... And watching the trailer kind of feeling like when they say the end of the saga, that's the feeling that I come away with. I come away with like, man, this has been this has been a crazy... Like, the first Star Wars movie came out the year I was born. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I'm excited. Guys, 
Yeah. I'm really glad we're all going to see this together. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're going to see it together. But that moment, the end of the saga, the story lives forever, just left, rang a little hollow for me just because, you know, my, my feelings yeah. on where it is. I'm more excited for The Mandalorian. Well, I think that's what this, I think that's, and this is kind of crazy to say, but this is our world now and this is the franchise now. Their job is to get you in a better place about the trilogy so that you can be even more excited about Mandalorian. That's their job. Everything now feeds into everything else. And the Mandalorian, you want to get the Mandalorian right, so you get excited about the Cash and Andor series. You want to get that right, so you get excited about the animated stuff that's coming. So it's all going to connect into itself. The books and the comic books, that's its own thing, and the video games, that's the own thing. But the media that is actually on film and television, they have to all do well to service the other thing. And then that's all going to do, has to do well so you can get you excited for the Kenobi series. So it's all just connected to itself. It's no longer a singular thing anymore, no matter what they say. Synergy. Synergy. (laughs) Synergy. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop this episode of the Geek Buddies. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, let us know what you think of the trailer. Yeah. Are you excited like me? Are you heartless and soulless like Shannon? (laughs) Or somewhere in the middle. Or somewhere in the middle like Johnny (laughs) Rook. But yeah, this has been another fun episode uh, hanging out, talking with you guys about this geek stuff. It's always great. Um, I'm just sitting here taking one last look. At my friends, <laughs> did you see that meme where they no. have where C three PO says that? Let's look at my friends, and then he his arm is up, and it's the red arm, and his eyes go red, and he's got a lightsaber. <laughs> he's going to kill everybody in the room. That would be awesome. I would be totally fine with a killer C three PO droid. Oh right well, now. then you should read the Doc Afra comic book series. I, I love the Doc Afra comic where book they series. have a killer C three PO droid. Yes, they do. It's a what's the number of that BT- one? 88 or 00 or something like that. I one of them was, du- isn't one of them double zero? Double zero, yeah, something uh, like that, yeah. I think that's the R2 unit. Yeah. Like that's root. They're both ruthless. I love the series. I've stopped reading it, but I, I was initially into the first few uh, uh, episodes. Anyway, uh, issues rather. Okay, all right, that's our episode of the Geek Bodies. Thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening to this episode. Hope we made you laugh. Hope we made you enjoy stuff and maybe even left you with something to think about and talk about with your geek buddies. Yeah, and if you would like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. Uh, and I am at MK Toon. And uh, while you're at it, kind of head over to uh, wherever you watch the or listen to the podcast and give us some ratings, give us some stars, give us some con- comments, give us some feedback. Uh, we actually all really enjoy reading the feedback that you guys leave us. Mm-hmm. And the more stars, the more ratings we get, uh, the higher we go up in the rankings, and the more Geek Buddies we will recruit That's right. to our cause, yeah. just like the resistance <laughs> in the rise of Skywalker. Or you mean, or the first order if you're in that place. That's cool. Uh, follow Michael at MK2, and you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. See all the things I'm doing there. Uh, and until then, we'll talk to you next time on The Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.